0: On this week's episode of Empower, we're joined by President and CEO of Unity Bank, Ms. Lori Vignard, to discuss the importance of banking relationships, updates on the PPP program, and much more. Empower is a podcast presented by the Houston Area Urban League that serves to inform young professionals about the Urban League, its programs, and the various civic and social topics pertinent to the community they serve. Welcome to Empower. This is Ray Shackleford. I'm your host, and each and every week, we bring you different topics important to the community and programs presented by the Houston Area Urban League. And today, we have an extra special guest and Mrs. Lori Vineyard, the President and CEO of Unity Bank. Uh, Lori, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well, Ray. Thank you for asking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and... I'm glad that we were able to get on your schedule. You're a very busy woman, especially with everything going on. But uh, if you would, because you are somebody who has a very deep-rooted history in the community and with the Urban League, so tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Urban League and serving on its board, and why did you think it was important? Um,
1: The Urban League has played a really important role in my life especially throughout my career life. Um, I think I shared with you, I'm originally from New Orleans and in my workings in and around New Orleans with the institution, the bank that I was working for, we had already forged a relationship with the Urban League there. So when my bank grew into the Texas market, in particular, the Houston market, the Urban League was one of the very first entities that I sought out to forge a relationship Urban League has been playing an important role in our communities for many, many years, for decades, you know, providing affordable housing, servicing, um, supporting small businesses, building houses in our low and moderate income communities. And I was in the community development division of my institution. So I knew that forging a relationship with the Urban League was gonna help me touch the customers that I wanted to be supportive of. So I often laugh. I think I probably tracked Judson down for months trying to get on this calendar. And I wanted to make sure he knew that I was a partner and a supporter. And I truly believe in the organization at the national level, all the way down to the local level. The work that we do here in Houston is beyond words. And you know our communities would not be as vibrant as they are without the Urban League.
0: No, and we absolutely uh, love you at the Urban League and appreciate your support. And I guess the other thing that I want to touch on before we get into the topic is, how did you, uh, as I guess, succinctly as you can tell us, um, come to be president and CEO of Unity Bank and kind of your professional journey, what did that look like?
1: You know, it's kind of, in, I, I often wonder myself sometimes how I got here. I think it's more or less divine intervention. It was already preordained for me. I started my career with a small minority bank in New Orleans called Liberty Bank and Trust. And Alden McDonald gave me my very first job professionally as his executive assistant. And while I was working for him, I was fortunate enough to be able to spend um, a lot of time in the other departments. Um, I got married, I ended up leaving the bank um, to be married, I guess. Um, And then I divorced my husband (laughs) and I needed a job. And that's the other thing about working for a small bank, like a a Liberty bank or even with a unity bank, when you have a relationship and they know what kind of worker you are, they're more than welcome to bring you back into the fold. It really becomes a family. And I often tell Alden that he has actually catapulted my career because, I came back to Liberty Bank as a mortgage loan originator and being a mortgage loan originator and building my platform, I was recognized by one of the largest banks in New Orleans at the time called Hibernia Bank. And Hibernia recruited me. I came on board to run their affordable housing division, but also to manage their affordable housing um, development. So that really attracted me to them. It was an opportunity to build my skill set. I'm building houses. I'm helping people get into mortgages you know, and I'm doing that across, um, all across Louisiana. Um, In early 2004, maybe, um, Hibernia Bank decided to venture into the Texas market. And at that same time, Capital One was pursuing um, Hibernia Bank to purchase. And that's when Hurricane Katrina happened and I happened to blow into Houston. Um, And at that time, Capital One purchased us. My manager at the time decided to retire. I succeeded him. And then my career just kind of blossomed, um, being able to cover all of the community development efforts for Capital One across Louisiana and Texas. And that's how I met so many amazing people. But more importantly, I began to recognize the value of having a relationship with a large bank and the the smaller minority banks and connecting resources back into the community. And I noticed Unity Bank while I was at Capital One didn't really have an opportunity to engage with them as much as I wanted to. But about a year ago after I left Capital One, I was reintroduced, I was introduced to the chairman of the board of Unity. And we began talking about the important role that Unity plays in the community and why I thought um, why I valued it and wanted to be supportive of it. So I um, came on board as a business consultant last July, and I wanted to just work to help get the name out back into the community. Unity's been here for 53 years. It's a staple in Third Ward on Blatchett Street. We have a location in Fort Bend and also in Atlanta, but we opened the branch in 2018. But even with that, it seems like people know who we are, but they're not really engaging. So my mission was to make sure that we, made sure people understood that as a minority bank, just because we're a minority bank, does not mean that we don't have all of the services that the other institutions have. And it's aligned with our mission. And nine times out of 10, you can get what you need at Unity Bank, whereas you'll still be filling out paperwork at the other institutions. So um, in December, the board um, decided to, um, consider me for the presidency. The, the president at the time was retiring. And January 1, they announced that I was going to come on board as the president. And I have to say, I'm just beyond thrilled to be here. And there's so many opportunities. I know the pandemic and everything that's going on in the world um, is really quite overwhelming. But at the same time, it has created an opportunity for Unity Bank to really excel and to show the world what we do best which is helping our small businesses when they need it the most and so that's what we've been doing.
0: No, You you jumped a little bit ahead of me because I wanted to um, tell people you know what what is Unity Bank why it's significant. Um, You even just dropped a nugget that I wasn't aware of. I didn't know we had a branch in Atlanta. I knew we had the two locations in the Houston area and then um, was one, I think, closer to is it Missouri City, or?
1: Right, it's, in, it's right in Missouri City, right across from the, um, the City Hall on Texas Parkway. Um, I don't remember when that went open. I wanna say in the 1990s, perhaps. But the Atlanta branch, believe it or not, the city and a lot of the community influentials reached out and said, hey, we need a bank like Unity in Atlanta. And so in March of 2018, we opened. We're, we want to grow and we want to go into communities where um, there's definitely um, a vacancy of having access to capital. We're not looking to necessarily get into high traffic, high, high income areas. We wanna stay in our low and moderate income communities. We wanna stay in our black and brown communities. That's where we're often overlooked. We need to continue providing access to capital so people don't come and gentrify our communities. We can invest in our neighborhoods and retain it and get the equity and the value that's associated with it and stop being displaced. Um, but we need a bank like Unity to be here and to do that for the for you know for all of our customers, for our constituents.
0: And I guess for, for our listeners, what would you say is the difference between Unity and a lot of these, you know, large banks? So for example, earlier I know I told you I have an account with Chase Bank. Uh, but I I will be opening an account with Unity (laughs) Bank before the month of June in 2020 is over. Um, But what is the difference between a Unity Bank and a Chase Bank, for example, or or any of those other large uh, banks?
1: You know, the larger institutions also have a role to play. They offer um, many, many services that um, perhaps I cannot because of my size But the biggest difference is you can usually forge a relationship with my institution, whereas you may struggle to have a relationship with any of the bankers at the larger institutions. Um, I, I I, I saw this very well when the PPP program was initially announced, and we were getting calls from um, new customers, from people who had never banked with us, but because they were trying to call B of A or Chase or Wells and they could not get through or you know they could not get their application taken, but when they called us, we were able to tell them exactly how to get on the, you know, how to fill out the application and we were able to process it. We were able to turn it around, often a lot faster for our smaller customers um, because they weren't being acknowledged at the time. When I was teaching financial education in my former life, one of the things I used to emphasize all the time was that you have to have a relationship. When you have a relationship with a bank, they know who you are. They know how you, they know your, your work. They know how you save. They know how you spend. When you need something, they probably will understand faster than someone who you've never had a relationship with. We go through the larger banks. We use their drive-throughs. You know, you might go to the teleline, you might engage with a banker, but it's not like that banker has been working with you for an extended period of time. I'm not gonna say that they're all like that, but with larger institutions, it's hard to forge a relationship when you're one of many customers. Um, With a smaller bank, I want to grow and I certainly want more customers, but the relationship element of it, you know who I am, you could pick up the phone, you know who my bankers are, Many of us wear multiple hats. So if you're talking to me, I can probably take care of multiple needs. Um, so there's just a, there's just a difference. Um, I, you know. It, until you experience it, um, I think it's hard to describe. And I, I use Liberty as an example all the time because, and I'll tell this story. When Hurricane Katrina happened, I had a home in New Orleans that was devastated. I still had a mortgage on that home in New Orleans. But I could not go back home. I could not live in that house. And when my daughters and I were here, I was like, "Mm, I need to buy something. Alden understood that. Liberty Bank understood that. I was a good customer. They knew that I was going to be taken care of. I might have to wait for my insurance payments and stuff to come in, but they still offered me my loan. I was able to buy my house and begin to live my life while I was still taking care of my business in New Orleans. I lost my car. I called up the bank, I need to buy a car, can you help me? The first thing they said to me is how much do you need? Come pick up your check. It wasn't like I had to go through the process of an application and stuff, even though I did once I got um, connected, but there's a relationship there. When they know who you are and you've been banking with them for a number of years, nine times out of 10 people will jump through hoops to make sure that you can get the resources that you need so that you can take care of your financial business. And that does not happen. I could never have gotten that at any other institution. They would have seen my mortgage. They would have seen my car note. They would have seen all of this and said, okay, wait a minute, you can't do anything right now until you take care of your insurance and get it resolved. It's not the same when you have a smaller institution that you could work with.
0: Oh, and I think that's, that's definitely one of the points we want to drive home is the importance of banking relationships. Mm-hmm. And how it gives you access to capital, uh, whether, like you said, the instances with your daughters, if uh, people for their businesses, etc. And so, when you touched on the PPP, obviously that has been a very big topic, hot topic across the country because the first round, the money was gone mm-hmm. almost instantaneously in
1: days. Within two days, it was gone. Yeah.
0: And you even had examples where larger entities and firms were returning the money, but they got access to it because they had maybe relationships or maybe it was just because of the, the size of their organizations, there was a greater mm-hmm. deal of trust that they would be able to handle the loans, et cetera. And so that's where now with the second round of money, I want people to be informed on what that looks like in terms of how. Unity Bank and other small community banks play a role with that program.
1: Absolutely. Um, um, The money is still available. Um, The program doesn't end until the end of the month. I like that the SBA and Treasury did do some modifications. It was really unfortunate that a lot of the banks were already primed. The larger banks were already primed. They had identified their businesses. Many of them were the larger, more established, good customer base that they went for. Um, and many of them did not offer the services to non-customers. They were only looking at their existing customers and usually they were the ones with the highest balances. Um, for us, you know, we did a, a, you know, a real, um, I think we did a really good job making sure all of our customers were aware of the program, but being a small institution, we were bumped. You know? There was no doubt the larger banks had the mechanism and the ability to get in there fast as we were still putting together the packaging to make sure we understood how the program worked, they had an advantage. Um, But the second time around, everybody stood up and said, hey, the program is really for our small businesses. It's not for the million dollar. You have 500 employees, give me a break. We have mom and pop businesses that are sole proprietors I have less than 10, our average businesses have less than 10 employees but they're important roles. I mean, they are providing a service to our community. They're the ones that need the money the most, and they're the ones that should be going after it. I'm happy to say the second round, we were so much more successful. Um, Every customer that we have submitted, if they didn't submit to somebody else, we got their approval for them, and we have been able to fund. We've done over 300, um, we've gotten over 300 applications approved, saving over 3,000 jobs and positions. And I just keep emphasizing the fact that the money is still available. Please take advantage of it if you can. I know they're making additional modifications and changes, potentially going from eight weeks to 24 weeks. It's a deferred program. It's a forgivable program. You know, um, Take advantage of it if you can use it. We're trying really hard to make sure that our businesses can be sustainable during this time. I hate hearing stats about 45% of our black businesses may not survive. They may go out of business. We have to make sure that we're giving them the safety net in order for them to ride out this pandemic and to do it in a very safe and financially healthy way. Um, But it's critical in my opinion. We cannot, they're the baseline, you know, that's the anchor to our economy. Small businesses is what drives this economy and we have to make sure that we're supporting them. And so through programs like that and others, um, we're just trying to make sure we're connecting the dots and that our customers are aware. And I'll also say that I'm so excited because as a byproduct, Unity has a number hundreds of new accounts that have been established with us because of the relationships that we're establishing through the PPP program. And hopefully everybody will take a second look and say that's where we want to be granted I'm small but we have a big heart and you know we want to be able to help as many people as we can.
0: No and I I think you you touched on a lot of the things as an individual that are important when it comes to community bank but now since we're talking about businesses what are some of the things that you can offer business owners obviously the PPP program but Mm -hmm. what types of Uh, programs or things that you have as it relates to them trying to get access to capital or even if someone wanted to start a business or do the application what are some of the things they need to make sure they have in place before they even get to the door uh, before there's not a lot of back and forth because a lot of people just don't know those types of things that they need to bring
1: you know I used to um, I had created a program in my former life called getting down to business and in that program we used to talk about um, your um, business continuity plan. You know, that, that was a big deal right after the hurricanes. You know, how do you make sure that your business can be sustainable during, you know, natural disasters or something? This pandemic has really created another level of um, issues that have to be considered for our small businesses. Whoever would have thought that you would have to close down your business for any considerable amount of time Um, So I know that these kind of things are are areas that we're looking very closely at and wanting to work with our businesses to make sure that you have a a master plan or a strategy for you to be able to be sustainable on the long term. Um, Getting a loan right now is a bit of a challenge, no doubt. I mean, we're working hard to make sure that there is a business plan That you have a strategy for driving business into your organization? Do you have you diversified your product? I'm so um, pleased with restaurants who, you know, may not have been able to entertain inside their shops, but they have drive ups or they have in delivery services. You know, let's work on how do we expand and to make sure that you have a revenue stream coming in. Um, Wherever there are grants and subsidies, we're paying close attention to the city of Houston, to Harris County to the Treasury Department, SBA, others who may be creating platforms where you can get grants and subsidies or you can leverage your loan with them because they will guarantee a portion of it. Um, We are looking at all of that. I don't want to deter anyone from pursuing financing, but what I will say is please make sure that you have your financial ducks in a row. And if you need some consultation, if you need to talk to somebody, we're here to help you through that process because we want you to be successful long-term. Providing you what a loan today means nothing if you have to give it back to me tomorrow. You know, we want to make sure that what we're providing to you is enough to sustain, but also to help you grow. So um, call us, really call us and so we can talk through it.
0: And, it. and it sounds like one of the things you mentioned that you also provide, especially because obviously the bankers. the the experts is knowledge about other programs and things that can support those businesses that they may not have known about. uh, And then helping them, like you said, not just being able to get the money to get started, which I think is what a lot of people are thinking about, but do you have something that is sustainable and projected out over a few years? Because ultimately that is what is going to best serve them as a business owner, but also the community as a whole.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, the pandemic is one thing, but we will be planning through hurricane season right now. You know, usually you're thinking, well, we, what would happen if I closed for a day? Probably nothing. What would I have to, what would happen if it's three days, five days? What if it's a month? That's what makes this whole process so uncomfortable because you know, the time that it has taken for us to um, reestablish and even right now for the businesses that are opening up today, you know, we're watching and wanting to provide assistance because it's going to take you longer than six months or 12 months. It might take 18 to 24 months before our businesses that we're working with right now are able to turn the page and get back to a revenue stream that was pre this pandemic. And I have to say that we have been very aggressive in working and talking to anyone that would listen to us all the way up to the White House to let them know that you know there are some serious concerns that they need to be looking at. It's not about just opening up our doors and expecting business to come back in. It's gonna be a process. You know, It's a slow process and you have to give businesses time to recover, it doesn't happen overnight. So everything that they're doing, we're asking them to make sure that you're considering the six, the 12, the 18 month timeline and not put additional pressure that's gonna make me fail but provide me with the resources so that I could be successful. We don't want any business to fail.
0: No, and I'm I'm glad that you guys are also, sounds like lobbying on behalf of the clients in the community to make sure that our legislators are taking those things into consideration as they build out these different packages. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think earlier you said that they're potentially working on something else that may be able to support business owners and small businesses that hasn't uh, been rolled out yet or maybe in the works?
1: Well, I know that they are looking at other stimulus packages. Um, I'll be in, as a matter of fact, I'll be in conversations with um, SBA and the U.S. Treasury later this month. We were invited, one of um, a very few minority depository institutions to be in the conversation with the White House and with the U.S. Treasury Department, Mnuchin's office, and with the Secretary um, of the SBA to talk about, okay, what what, what has worked well with the PPP program, but where are the gaps and where do we still need assistance? And so we have some observations. I mean, the PPP program, as wonderful as it is, conceptually, has had some hiccups and some challenges that we're still going through, even with the forgiveness process right now. We're trying to understand it. You're trying to get the training. You're trying to um, simplify it. I know they're looking at trying to simplify from 11 pages to hopefully just a one pager, um, and maybe even offering the suggestion that, hey, maybe you should be looking at forgiving (laughs) the majority of these transactions. People are struggling. Eight weeks is not enough and we're already at oh, coming upon the eight week mark and we're still trying to offer assistance because it just wasn't enough and it wasn't long enough. You know, so I do anticipate and I do expect them to come out with another program or another stimulus package. I know as a minority deposit, I'm just, as, a, as a black institution, you know, there's only 18 or 19 of us left across the country and being the only black bank in Texas I don't want to become obsolete because this pandemic happened and because, you know, I did not get all the resources I need in order to be sustainable. It's across the board. I'm a business owner. I'm I'm not the owner. I'm one of the directors, but I'm a business as well. And so as we're talking to these larger institutions and, and um, and the Treasury Department and others who are bailing out restaurants and hotels and airlines and providing resources for them, you need to remember we have mom and pop businesses and we have minority banks, banks across the country who are providing a service and we all need to have assistance. And I think that's very, very important. I think that's a very important message to make sure we continue to drive home to all of the legislators so that they can take notice. We are providing a service to people who normally won't get it there's you know many of of my customers tell me they were still waiting for some, for their bank to call them back in order to get their application taken or they were still waiting for a response we cannot afford to wait we have too much to lose so we're advocating to anyone that will listen right and i appreciate you giving me an opportunity to say that on your on your show thank you
0: no absolutely and you read my mind because even when we were starting the interview I was like I don't know how many black owned banks and institutions there are and so knowing that there are 18 to 19 that is mm-hmm. something that I will look to push uh, from the national level down is yes. making sure that our YPs across the country are connecting with the other black banks uh, and our YPs here in Texas because we have three chapters uh, about I want to say seven eight hundred young professionals between Austin mm-hmm. Houston and Dallas uh, and so they all should be opening accounts with Unity Bank. And so for people in the community, Black or otherwise, how can they support Unity Bank? Is it as simple as opening account? What, is, what does that look like?
1: You know, banks are profitable because they, and it's a business, so I, you know, I don't wanna make it sound like um, we don't appreciate deposits. We do appreciate deposits. Deposits help us in lending money. But deposits, I pay you an interest rate. I'm not making money off your deposit. I am able to make a fee income or earnings when I can lend your money to someone and be able to earn interest that way. So when you come in and you make a deposit, that's wonderful because we want you to be a part of the family. But take advantage of a Unity Bank credit card. Look at maybe buying your car next time through Unity Bank, maybe get a business loan. I don't do mortgages yet, but I will be. Um, you know, so come and inquire, you know, as opposed to just going through the dealership. Maybe you might want to consider coming to us to make that loan. We would appreciate it immensely. We would be at just as competitive as anyone else with their rates. But at least it gives us an opportunity in order to make the interest income so that we can actually bring on more products and services. So that's how the bank grows. And that is really How we would hope that you will want to have that kind of relationship you bring in your deposit you have access to your to your cash at all times but take advantage of the lending platform and the other products and services that we have to offer you get it from chase you get them from wells why not get it from unity bank too
0: no absolutely and i think that was a very good way to help people understand how banks work it's not just like you said about the deposits or the things that service us but it helps The black owned banks and the community by looking at those things that we're already planning to purchase whether it be a car if we need a credit card coming to unity and giving you guys like you said an opportunity to earn our business uh, because ultimately it's going to benefit our community anyway so if you're going to pay that interest back you would want to come back to your community
1: i would hope so that's exactly right and i often think you know just look around i often tell the story. Um, What what caught my attention the most, especially when I left um, Capital One, was that whenever you drive into an affluent or well, um, a, a, a community that is thriving, you have banks on every single corner because they're providing access to capital. You have businesses, you have the banks, you have the commercial, and you have your households. You drive through our communities. We have food deserts, we have limited services, just our mom and pops. You have no banks. You know, the bank feeds the community. It really does. It's, it's providing the access to capital that you need to fix your house, to start your business or grow your business so that we can bring a grocery store. The more, help, the more rooftops we have, it supports the school district. You know, we're paying taxes. We have other services that we can bring. But when you deplete the community of all of those resources, the money goes out, it's not coming back in. And I often look at Third Ward. This is a beautiful community, beautiful homes. You know, you have the two universities, Texas Southern is right up the street. You have Emancipation Park, and you have these huge townhouses being built. But guess what? They're not, they're developers coming in, buying up the property, and the money is leaving. If we were able to give that money to the people living and working right here in Third Ward, that money stays in our community and it recycles, you know, so how do we start focusing on how do we create that economy in all of our black and brown communities so we don't have to constantly be pushed out of the areas because we can no longer stay there because we don't have the capital or know how to manage our funds in a way so that we can retain more of it as opposed to losing it. And I just want very much to kind of just get people thinking a little bit differently about how we spend our dollar, how we invest our dollar, and how we use it in our communities. And I want Unity Bank to be the anchor that's providing that information so we can do a better job. But more importantly, we can retain these wonderful communities that we live in. We see other people coming in, we need to be able to stay here and to um, be a part of it.
0: No, absolutely. And Community has been, you know, a big part of this whole conversation. And, you know, in the Third Ward community, we just laid to rest George Floyd, who's actually from the CUNY homes over here in Third Ward. And, you know, obviously the city, the world has rallied behind him. Uh, We have seen there is now an atmosphere of change. But you were telling me a story, uh, and I did want to share that with people about how you were able to support the Floyd family and how you are actively being a part of the community.
1: You know, we were very blessed. The, um, the Floyd family sought out Unity Bank to be their bank. Um, um, there's a, a, an amazing Go Fund that was established for the family and um, it, it kind of touches your heart to see how many people have contributed to that fund to support their efforts. And they're talking right now about creating a foundation. They wanna do education. They want to be supportive of other young Black men um, to make sure that they, you know, that they have the resources and the ability to thrive in this very challenging environment for young Black um, um, men and, and women too. Um, but it touched my heart because I have to admit sitting there meeting with them today to see how strong and how close they are as a family. Um, but also the, the impact that they're having on the world right now you know, we were just saying how you have all of these corporations, these big corporations that are coming to the fold. We are, Unity Bank has been approached by so many institutions that want to be supportive and I'm so grateful because we need support. The community needs support. And it's, and it's unfortunate that we had to lose someone in order to finally get the world to take notice, but I'm so grateful to them and I just kept telling them that, you know, I mean, it's such a huge loss, but it's true. Look what he's doing. You know, he is truly changing people's minds um, and bringing us to a place that I hope will be um, very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a baptism. It's like a renew. You know that we that we don't have to pass along what we have endured as African Americans living in the United States. I don't want my children or my grandchildren, especially my grandchildren and my great-grands to have to continue to deal with, with the disparity and the discrimination that whether it's innate or bias, we know that it exists. We don't want them to have to feel that. They shouldn't have to feel that, not after all of this time. And I think that it could be because of this incident that hopefully we're having this new enlightenment. The world is paying attention. We know right from wrong. We just have to speak up and do the right thing. And I just feel really happy that I'm living through this time that I get to see it and experience it. I was a baby during the sixties, so I would hear the stories, but to watch it right now and see all the young people, cause it really will be them. That's going to change the world. They're going to vote. They're going to make sure that we make this world a better place. And, um, and it's because of this, this family, you know, and, um, they're amazing. I just have to tell you, they're, they're amazing. They're very close they're very thoughtful and they understand the opportunity that lies, the responsibility and the opportunity that lies ahead of them. And wanting to make sure that, that this moment in time will never be forgotten. They have, called, they have been called upon to be the messenger and to kind of lead this effort. And I think that they're all ready for it and they embrace it. Um, and I wanna celebrate their brother with them because um, he is truly changing the world. He really is. He has.
0: No, he he definitely has, because we were talking about before about the amount of calls that we both have been inundated with, with people that want Mm -hmm. to engage and help to make an impact. And I even had a conversation with one of my counterparts from the Hispanic community earlier. And she was telling me just over the past week how much she's learned things that she just was ignorant to. And she is very much in a mindset where she wants to learn more and was asking if it was okay to ask me questions. And I was like, absolutely, Um, because she wants to make sure not only does she better educate herself and change her behaviors, but her daughters so that they can be better people. And so I think more people need to have that mindset. My hope is that because of this energy, it is something that is sustainable and like you said gets us to the place of change that we've been fighting for and our ancestors have been fighting for for so long and just common sense things that should have already been taking place but Mm -hmm. this may be the thing uh that ultimately pushes us to where uh we all want to be
1: i agree i agree i'm i'm in awe watching it happen before us and it, you know whoever would have thought you know you've got the pandemic and then you have this this movement that's happening around the world, it almost feels like 2020 is truly a transitional time for us. And, um, you know, it's been challenging nonetheless, but I really do think we're going to come out of this better and healthier and whole at the end of the day. At least that's what I pray for every night. So um, I'm hopeless optimistic, but I really do believe that we can stay engaged. And to your point, You know, I mean, we all have biases, but unfortunately we have, we have been hit hard, you know, (laughs) it's like, no matter what you do, you always have that stigma. I know it doesn't matter what I do. I'm always going to be a black woman. I'm always going to be judged as one, as opposed to being judged as someone who is just trying to do the right thing for the right reasons and working really hard, like many other people in the world. I just want to do the right thing at all times. And I hope that everybody else will continue to do that and we'll convince those along the way, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, good will prevail. The right thing will prevail.
0: Oh, Absolutely. And real quick, speaking of black women, I did mm-hmm. want to encourage people to take part in the National Urban League's Action Alert as it relates to Breonna Taylor. She yes. would have been 27 years old uh, about a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And we still are trying to seek justice for her and her family. She was killed as a result of a no knock warrant, and those officers still have not been arrested. So if you haven't, please make sure you're paying attention to that. Uh, we need your help with that action alert. And, Lori, I had two more questions before I let you go. Uh, one, why should people complete the census? Why is that important? Uh oh,
1: I'm my battery is about to die. Sorry about that. The census is really important because. We, you know, I know people have some reservations about putting their information out there. I'll I'll admit when I was filling it out for myself, I was like, geez, look what they're asking me for. But at the end of the day, we know that we need to be accounted for so that we can bring the resources back into our community. If we're, if they don't know we're here, we will never get what we need. So we have to make sure that the Census Bureau, everybody knows how many people are living out in our households, how many people are in our community. So we can make sure that we have um, whatever resources coming out of the federal government that it gets into our communities because otherwise um, we're going to miss out and we can't afford to do that.
0: No, absolutely. So if you haven't, go to my2020census.gov. Here in the city of Houston, we're at about 51% versus the national average of 61%. So we have a lot of work to do locally and as a nation so please please complete your census and the last thing is how do people get in touch with Unity Bank how do they get a hold of uh, you guys
1: well um, please we have um, three locations as I mentioned Um, and I knew you you were gonna ask me that but here I am still learning my (laughs) telephone numbers it's like that's really pitiful I have to learn my numbers but um, the number for our for the main office which is in the third ward is 713 387-7400. 387 And that's where my office is as well. Um, and you can also go to www.unitybanktexas.com. And you can go onto our website, you can check out our products and services and learn a little bit more about us. And Ray, I can't thank you enough for allowing me to be on your show today. And if I can close with one thing, I also wanna encourage everybody to please vote. It is so, so important that we vote and we vote as many times as we legally can, but don't miss any of the elections. Um, It's the only way that we can support the change that's happening around us. And so um, I needed to put in a plug, thank you.
0: (laughs) No, absolutely. Those are both ways. These are three different ways you guys can contribute and help contribute to the legacy of George Floyd and just making progress is completing your census, Voting, supporting Unity Bake, supporting your community, finding different ways yes. to do it. Uh, Lori, we thank you for joining us. We thank everybody for tuning in, and we will see you guys again next week on Empower. To learn more about how the Houston Area Urban League is impacting the community and ways you can get involved, visit us online at haul.org. Follow us on Twitter at HOU Urban League and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play or whichever podcasting platform you enjoy. Thanks for listening to Empower presented by the Houston Area Urban League.